This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. All right, everybody. This is the August 2020 monthly market update. I am your host, Lane Kaoka. But before we get started, the uh, free Easter egg giveaway. And we are going to be giving away a buy and hold analyzer for rentals. This is, uh, you can use it in Google and Excel. Full explanation of all expenses for you to make your own performa and vet your own rental properties. Plot check performance given to you. you know, performa means, means toilet paper in French. Just uh, get rid of it, analyze it yourself, run your numbers yourself. And it allows you to perform some sensitivity analysis on your own. You can get access to that by uh, going to a group, putting in the numbers on the Facebook posts, or you can shoot me an email at lane at simplepassivecashflow.com and uh, let me know and I'll send it over to you. If you guys want to check out more content, join our Facebook group and listen to my podcast, which has been going on since 2016. Found on Google Music, Spotify, YouTube. The YouTube channel is getting pretty big and robust now. Uh, we're also on iTunes and iHeartRadio. All right, so first things first, a little bit of teaching points for everybody. Pandemic-proof investing. Now, how do you invest in stuff that won't get destroyed in a pandemic? Well, things that are probably going to remain strong um, as we've seen through the last few months, um, through my 3,500 units that I own, workforce housing, these guys still pay. So Class C, and eh, maybe try and stay away from Class C stuff, but definitely the Class B and A tenants, you know, they're paying. Garden-style apartments. So garden-style apartments are, these are the two-story or, or one to three-story apartments where it's sort of, think of it like a motel where you drive up to... It is not a high rise, an apartment. It is sort of medium to light density. And for those people who are unable to afford a house, everybody says they wanna you know, get away from other people and have their own house, but very little people in America can afford houses to live in. Garden style apartments are the best of all worlds. You have your space, it's pretty affordable for them. And this is why I choose to invest in these type of garden style apartments and other medium-dense suburban locations. So maybe not in the urban urban area, the downtown area, but mostly in the suburban areas, maybe right near the loop track, you know, 20 to 30 minutes outside the city center. Things that I stay away from are elevators. You know, you just can't socially distance in an elevator. Dense urban areas, uh, things with no cash flow, right? Because I think you've seen in the pandemic that things that aren't, Producing income to pay its expenses are going to get hurt. A lower end tenants, and this is where I said, you know, maybe stay away from Class C tenants. It's definitely Class D and worse. That's always been a fundamental that we followed. Uh, Short-term rentals are getting killed. Although I hear a little bit of resurgence in some of the, um, you know, in some areas of Florida as people there's some pent-up demand coming back online, but you know, if you live in Hawaii, you're getting killed with these short-term rentals, and that's why I told you not to do them in the first place. Uh, pro-tenant states, so these are like the California, these other um, places, little blue states where there's moratoriums on no evictions, 
office space, you know, a lot of tech workers, I mean, a lot of them are just told that they may not even come back till the beginning of next year, if, if ever. A lot of people have just told their employees just to work remotely from now on. Uh, San Francisco Bay Area is getting killed. Again, this is why we chose not to invest in these type of primary markets. John Burns came up with a report and the question is, are you or do you know anybody else living with their parents? Well, they came up with this little stat that for those adults ages 23 to 30, living at home with your mom and dad has drastically been going up. 30,000 people in March, and then in April, a million people, and then May, another million, 1.1 folks moved in with their parents. So that is on the rise. And that leads us to a rent cafe article where the takeaway here was a quarter of renters now say they will never buy a home. So if you're looking at this in the YouTube channel, you're seeing a cool little chart um, where they surveyed about 7,000 renters in May. Yeah, a lot of people just don't plan to buy a house. You know, I don't, I don't buy a house to live in. And if you're living in a rent-to-value ratio under 1%, I would urge you to do not buy a place to live in, but instead invest that money. Uh, check out my article, simplepassivecashflow.com slash home, talking all about this very controversial topic. But look at it this way, right? You don't spend money on a big down payment and you go out and invest that money and you make cash flow. And it's basically an arbitrage. Now I know everybody teaches you otherwise. And I would say for most people, it makes sense because most people aren't, Finance, financially responsible. So home is sort of a for savings account for them because if they didn't put the money into a mortgage that got locked up, they probably spend it. But you know, those of us who kind of follow our group, part of our tribe, simple passive cash flow folks, and you know, we're pretty responsible for our money. We don't spend our money um, frivolously. So for those of us, it probably makes sense to rent our primary residence, use that equity to go and buy assets. And then, you know, we don't have that big mortgage payment. And then we can go out and um, acquire more pro properties or syndications quicker. You can also probably live in a nicer place too. The whole thing of home ownership, I think is a little overrated, but um, just, uh, just here giving ideas, right? Cool map of estimated net worth of everybody who, every person in each state who is the richest person. So Mark Zuckerberg is 81 million billion dollars in California. Washington have Jeff, Jeff Bezos, 117 billion. Hawaii is Pierre Odomar. I don't even know who that is. But uh, Alice Walton, 51 billion. We have a lot of Texas people, uh, some notables. We have some people in Maryland and DC. Ted Lerner family. Ray Dalio's up there in Connecticut at 18 billion. Yeah, a lot of us in our group are California or Oregon. We have a lot of people in Oregon, Phil Knight and family, 40 billion. A lot of folks on the West Coast. It's kind of a fun, a fun article there. Most and least affordable cities from home ownership. It's kind of a no brainer here, but in graphical representation from NAR, Realty data. The West Coast is probably some of the most unaffordable areas, but in there, the worst is San Jose, California, and one of the better areas is Spokane, Washington. And I think we have actually a participant from the area of Spokane, Washington. 
Shout out to Evan if he's listening. So we like to invest in the South and Southeast. Uh, Phoenix is one of the least affordable places in the South. South Phoenix is actually a pretty good market, in my opinion, and it's not too expensive. A lot of people from California move out there. But yeah, in terms of the South, it's one of the more expensive places. Amarillo, Texas is one of the most affordable ones. Yeah, kind of a nice little little fun map to see where is the nice places to live. And I, I took a screenshot of some of the chatter that's been happening in our private Facebook group. But I'm seeing people move out of San Francisco Bay Area, lower cost areas in California since COVID has enabled them to work remotely. Real estate seems to be picking up in those areas of Sacramento or El Dorado County is you don't get much more for your money while still being you get a little bit more for your money while still being relatively close to the epicenter that is San Francisco and San Jose. Another person commented rents on average in San Francisco are down 12% from peak highs as much as 20% in some areas known. That's just one person from the Hui, but to be honest, I go I use my network a lot. I mean, a lot of you folks are my eyes and ears out there and hearing stuff like that is a lot more reliable than what you can find in the news a lot of times. And you know, nothing beats going into Facebook Marketplace and seeing what the rents are doing. Especially for someone who's been following up on it and kind of watching it, watching the needle, like a lot of you guys. A lot of this data that we read from these news articles, there's quite a bit of lag typically. Where saving for a down payment is the slowest? Now, Hawaii, District of Columbia, and California. So these are three places where the median home values in DC and Hawaii are a little over $700,000. That sounds about right. I mean, you can't pick up a house here in Hawaii. I mean, yeah, you can pick up a house, but it's gonna be kind of crummy for 600 grand. California is just under $600,000 median home value. If you're working with a down payment of 20%, time to save for a down payment is 9.1 years for Hawaii, 8.7 years in DC, and 7.8 years in California. So if you can save up enough money to buy a house, well, there's only 30, 30 or 20 more years you have to work, more than likely. So I asked the question, why buy in these kind of places? To be honest, just invest. But I've been told I need to be a little bit more uh, that's controversial. You know, if you can't save your money, then please buy. But if you can invest, I think I think the, you're going to end up better off than the most. Multi Housing News reports that senior housing occupancy slips to an all-time low. Now, a lot of you guys have mentioned to me that you know you see senior housing, the trends. They call it the silver wave. I totally agree with you guys. So, uh, senior housing is going to be in a huge demand, assisted living but I don't think the silver wave is quite here yet. And it's a very hard operational asset class. And to me, it shouldn't really be in the real estate category. I mean, it's an operational business to me. Uh, definitely not for a mom and pa investor to operate. You know, mom and pa operator could possibly invest in apartments and be okay, but definitely not senior housing. The occupancy fell 2.8 percentage points in the second quarter, dropping to 87 percent to 84 percent so yeah this i mean this is some of the fallout from covid senior housing i wouldn't want the liability of that right now commercial property executive reports that the top five secondary markets for self-storage development so i've been looking into self-storage lately i haven't um, jumped in quite yet 
I originally, you know, one of my things I don't quite like about self-storage is that how you can develop this stuff so quickly. And typically, it'll compete directly with what you're doing. You know, there's not really any class B or C self-storage out there, like how you buy class B and C apartments. And then when a class A apartment or class A self-storage com comes online, it'll compete directly with you. Whereas like, you know, if we're buying class B apartments and then a class A apartment gets built across the street, well, it kind of competes with us, but not really. We're, you know, you're in a different category for customers. But on this, uh, some of the top five secondary markets for self-storage development, Augusta, Providence, Knoxville, Rochester, Rochester, Springfield. Self-storage, I mean, I think the appeal there is you have no tenants, you know, they have no rights, it's just stuff. So you're not gonna have any, it's gonna take a lot for there to be some laws against no evictions or kicking you out on the street for that. So that's, that's why it's very in favor of the landlord or the operator. So not all markets have um, come down a little bit since uh, COVID kind of cooled off the market temporarily. Postar is reporting that Huntsville's apartment market remains resilient and mid-pandemic. Short little graph of the same store asking rent just keeps going up through what was when COVID start March, mid-March. Yep, went up from 93 cents to 95 cents. We're in that market, so I can totally attest to that. Things are just keeps going up in the stronger markets. Uh, I think part of that is just job growth. On the contrary, Jacksonville family, multifamily market report is seeing a little, little bit of a slide, 30 basis points in rents in the last three months. Well, some people, you know, some of my uh, peers that have deals in Jacksonville saying that their deals are, are, aren't seeing this, but you know, this is just big data, right? We're trying to show on a market. Commercial property executive also reports construction costs decreased for the first time in a decade. The COVID-19 pandemic and increased competition among contractors are key factors behind the decline. So, you know, as, as a lot of operators are, or our contractors or developers, builders, or you know, kind of taking their foot off the gas pedal in terms of future deals, um, they might also slow down into existing ones too. And you know, less competition coming online. And it generally kind of slows down the pace of construction and that you know, ultimately impacts the contractors. I think if you would have asked us uh, about six months ago, you know, one of another reasons why I don't like doing that silly burst strategy, which is too much effort and too much risk, is because much of the last few years has been a contractor's market, right? Contractors, any, if you're not a contractor and you're not working, something's wrong with you. It's hard to find good contractors up until this point because everybody's working. So it's really hard for unsophisticated new investors, especially when you're trying to do it remotely, to uh, find people, good people to work with. Uh, you know, you, you got a question, how, why is this person not working and want to work with me? Well, maybe you're paying a stupid price too. That could be another thing that's very typical of remote investors. And now, now it's kind of a good news, right? Generally, you know, things are kind of cooling off, less competition. So now's the time to go and build, right? I think a lot of newer investors are scared, right? This is the time where you can go in and you can do get this work done a lot cheaper. You know, overall unemployment's higher. And a lot of these construction guys, the jobs have been absorbed. The Yardie came up with a, uh, a report on multifamily, and I'm just gonna read some of the key findings here. 
the U.S. multifamily rents decreased by $2 in June. You know, not that much, falling to an average of $1,457. And this is all-inclusive of, you know, A, B, C class average rents. So it's continuing the four-month trend of declines, which makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, went to a, a dang pandemic here. I expect, you know, rents to retrace a little bit. Average U.S. rents declined by 0.8% in the first half of 2020 and then 0.4% in the second quarter. This is a stark contrast from 2.6% rent growth in the first half of 2009 and 1.2%. Now, most people will argue that on average, 3% is a annual rent increase per year. You know, this kind of just follows the pace of inflation. If a market is super hot, like how Dallas was in 2013 and 14, or how Phoenix has been lately, you can see a big pop in a, in a market, or in a, in a market, more of like an MSA of like a Phoenix Metro of 5 to 7% a year. So to see a, a rent growth of almost zero, that makes sense. I mean, this is going to happen from time to time. And this is why on those rent, annual rent escalators, you don't want to see something too high. I don't really underwrite more than 2% typically when I'm looking at deals. Uh, you know, I'm assuming it's going to go up a little bit, but I want to underpace inflation, which is typically thought as 3%. Who are the losers? Well, it's the West Coast and tech hub markets, as we were saying, hit the hardest in the first half of 2020. Since the beginning of the year, rents are down 4.6% in San Jose and 3.8% in San Francisco. RE Business Online reports that U.S. multifamily originations to decline 20 to 41% in 2020, says Freddie Mac. So all this is, is less people are doing deals. And yeah, I mean, the last three, four months, I haven't really seen very much come through the inbox. Probably, I would say, unscientifically, I would say maybe a, a tenth or you know 20% of what kind of volume of syndicated deals I see has been coming through. Part of that is that I think most most investors are just freaked out and scared and people can't raise the money for it. Part of another part is that you know Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac and they kind of lead a lot of lenders. They've kind of restricted a lot of the exceptions they will give that makes these loans extra extra sweet for syndicators and investors. We are at all-time interest rate lows. If you haven't been seeing this, you've probably been living under a rock. But yeah, we're seeing in the multifamily space like 2.9% interest rate. It is obscene. It almost makes sense for people to buy lukewarm deals, right? I mean, think about it like this. It's not going to be a sub 3% forever. If you're cash flowing, like you want to lock up all this good debt now. I mean, there's all signs point to inflation. How else are you going to pay for this three, four, five, seven trillion dollars of stimulus that's coming? If you have a primary residence, you might be looking at refinancing your home, but I would be careful, right? Because these lenders are really tricky. They love to get these origination fees, typically 1%. So they're always trying to trick you guys into refinancing. I'd, I'd say be careful, right? If you already have a low percent mortgage under 4%, I mean, it may not make sense. Remember, like if you had a 30-year mortgage and you know a few years went by, you have 27 years left, 
by them refinancing you again, they put you into a new mortgage. So what you really want to do to compare apples to apples is to say, hey, run my, run my numbers. I want to put it as a 27-year mortgage so I can compare it, the, the monthly payments, and I want you to, to make it a no-fee loan. Now, the, you, these guys can play around with the points and fees, and a lot of times they'll make it a no-fee loan. So they say, yeah, see, it's no fees. But then what they're doing is they're increasing the percentage slightly. So if the base would be was like 3.5%, they might increase it to 3.75 to make it a, to take out their fees there so they could get paid. So these buggers are tricky. So uh, do, do a math for yourself. And if you can't do the math, find a network and, you know, you know, we talk about this stuff in our mastermind all the time. I would say if you're looking to stay in your home for a long time, more than five or 10 years, it might be make sense to refinance it. But yeah, if you're not, it might make sense to just sell the asset now if it's not a good rental property or and get the equity out now or just let the mortgage ride for the time being and, and avoid paying those friction costs, which are those loan origination fees been investing with AHP since 2017 to buy distressed mortgages and discounts to offer struggling families sustainable solutions to stay in their homes. When homes were vacant, AHP recognized that lenders frequently struggled as they tried to limit their losses. That's why owner George Dewberry founded Pre-REO, a platform that gets these vacant properties into the hands of local investors like us during the foreclosure process, which mitigates losses to lenders and accelerates returns for investors. A win-win. I'm very excited about this platform that connects local investors with court-appointed receivers in their area to cost-effectively repair, lease, and maintain and rent vacant homes during the foreclosure process and ultimately make a profit. I've been checking out local properties here in Hawaii and I think it's a great way to finally pick up my home to live in, even though I think homes to buy aren't probably the best. You can learn more about Pre-REO by going to simplepassivecashflow.com slash Pre-REO. Sam Zell, now this is a smart guy. Uh, if you haven't heard of him, you should probably Google him, but he's kind of like a czar of investing. He's less known than Warren Buffett, but he's, he probably invests in more like more trends. So I think he's a one that a lot of people like to follow. But he's kind of predicting a U-shaped recovery likely beginning in the fall. He's saying we basically improved somewhat. I think that we're going to have some kind of slope period improving toward the end of the year that's very different from a radical v-shape again he's he's kind of thinking it's going to be more of a u-shape so sam zell's you know he's invested in i think he was one of the first guys who jumped on the mobile home park bandwagon but yeah smart guy and a good person to kind of follow see what he's doing and you know i think a lot of people will say well yeah if sam zell says in the fall start investing in the fall or shortly after like no that's not you can't do that. Like you're going to miss out on some of the best bull market. I mean, that's all I got to say about that. Um, let's take a little break here for another giveaway. The uh, another second Easter egg here is amortized mortgages suck. You want to use your HELOC if you're looking to pay off your mortgage a fraction of the time. Do you want access to this? Shoot me an email at lane at simple passive cash flow after joining the club. If you have not a part of our investor club, go and join at simplepassivecashflow.com slash club. But this is the mortgage rate arbitration game where you're using your HELOC and you're paying, you're paying down your 
amortized loan with simple interest. And trust me, this works. The, what the, I got a little process here. You can probably read this on the YouTube uh, channel or in the video version. But if you guys are listening in the podcast form, just go ahead and shoot me an email lane at Simple Passive Cash so I can give you all the tutorials and videos on this. Uh, but it works. You, um, you pay off your HELOC, you replenish it with your cash flow, and then you magically, your mortgage is gone in like five to seven years. Sounds cool, but I would caution a lot of people like the strategy is not for everyone. And it is nothing compared to actually investing in good hard assets that pay cash flow. And I think this is where a lot of people get confused, right? They, they're like, well, I want to pay off my debt. Well, paying off your debt is not aligned with financial freedom. In many respects, debt is the best part of this whole thing. Like I said earlier, inflation is going to be going up because we have all this free created money, especially in the last few months. What the government is going to do is just inflate the money supply to make their debts smaller in proportion. So what you want to be doing is grabbing as much hard assets that have good debt associated with them so you can pay it off with future money, whether that is buying a rental property or going into a large syndicated deal at 2.9%. I mean, it's a no brainer. Don't take your money. Well, I'm not saying don't, but if you want to be smart about it and you want to do the best strategy, in my opinion, don't take your money in it, that you have in a HELOC and put it to pay off your debt. Again, the debt is, is you want debt. You want to lock up good debt. You don't want to go pay it off. And so take that HELOC money and go buy rental properties or go into leverage deals with that. I, I talk a lot about this in the, uh, the tutorial. It's somewhere on my YouTube channel, but you, you guys can Google it on there too. Yeah, a lot of people just don't understand it. They, uh, they think they want to be debt free, which is, you know, I guess that's, that's one thing. Like, I think they're getting it confused with consumer debt, right? Like you definitely don't want to be leveraged on your credit cards at 20%. But when you have three to 5% interest rate on assets that produce income, that's, you want to load up on that stuff as much as you can get. Uh, I wrote an article in Forbes on this. Uh, you can check out at simplepassivecashflow.com slash debt. So it's a very big paradigm shift, of course. If you haven't checked out, we created a new spinoff group for new investors looking to pick up their first few rental properties or remote rentals turnkeys. We are starting that on August 15th. So if you want to join, go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash incubator. If you got any friends who've been bugging you, about how you've been investing in real estate and I'm uh, tired of them bugging you and you just want them to uh, work under our umbrella with the people that we've worked with in the past. So they don't have to go around and blind date a whole bunch of providers and brokers. This is the group for you. But if you're more of an accredited investor looking to get uh, associated with our, our close-knit inner circle, uh, check out the uh, Simple Passive Cashflow Passive Investor Accelerator Mastermind, simplepassivecashflow.com slash journey to learn more about that. We're transitioning over into my personal section of the monthly report. And uh, for those of you guys have are on watching, if you guys have any questions, feel free to type it into the question answer box and we'll kind of get to it at the end. But uh, these are the six tenants that I kind of roll through every month. 
First one is growth. I'll be honest, I haven't really done much. Part of this month was me stuck at home because I, I had gone to Birmingham, uh, Cleveland, and Dallas. And Hawaii still has this uh, two-week quarantine rule where they actually did text me to see if I was at home. So uh, I got this basketball that's connect has this, I don't know how it's done. There's some kind of electrode in it, but it's connected to this app. So I'm trying to get better at dribbling the basketball. Sounds silly, but just trying to play around with these things. It's fun to me. I'm trying to get some hobbies. How did I get a little bit of contribution to my life? Well, if you missed it last Saturday, I spent six and a half hours and I drank two coffees to uh, educate a lot of investors who are looking to pick up their first few rental properties. Uh, it was a no BS, no frills, all education training. If you guys would like to get access to that, shoot me an email. I might package it up into the e-course. The e or actually, it will go into the e-course for remote investors. So if you guys want access to that, go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash incubator. To, um, you can just buy the e-course right there. Or what we'll probably do is we'll package up these vid the videos only in a smaller um, product. Yeah, probably sell it for like 20 bucks or 50 bucks. Just enough for you guys to... Uh, not just think it's worth nothing and it's free. Significance, so we closed 179 unit deal. Yeah, the second one this year, not too many deals this year with all that's going, been going on, but we got 3.1% Freddie Mac, non-recourse debt. Amazing, amazing, 3.1%. This deal was more of a yield deal, not too much value add, but in a great area of Irving, Texas. I mean, you can't go wrong with this thing. I mean, it's like, you know, again, it's a yield play. So yield plays are, you know, it's not a heavy value add. It's just, uh, it's cash flowing day one. And, um, you know, it's 97% occupied. Yeah, to me, this is kind of like a blue chip stock in your stock portfolio, except I have no stock. So for me, with my 100% alternative asset portfolio, this is some of my very conservative side of my portfolio. How did I create a little uncertainty in my life? Well, I don't know quite yet if we're going to be doing a 2021 Hui Mastermind in Hawaii. I still think we're going to do it, but, you know, with the whole second wave going on and everything, you know, we don't know. I'll probably decide here in the next couple months. But, uh, yeah, I mean, check out the, the video we did on the last year's one, simplepassacashflow.com slash Hui3. If you guys have any feedback, um, if you guys really want to have it, let me know. Maybe we might even do like a smaller one. Uh, maybe that's just a safer way of doing things. Just keep it small. How did I have certainty in my life? Well, workforce housing works. It works. I gotta admit through April and May, I was a little worried that people weren't going to pay the rent, but dang it, they paid, they paid. And now I'm even more like confident in this overall strategy of investing in workforce housing what is workforce housing? Well, that's most of America, right? Dang it, like, doesn't that make total sense to invest in something where the majority of people in America need that product? So yeah, workforce housing, we're pretty confident in that. And I am actually going after more higher risk projects these days um, because I'm pretty confident in the backbone of my portfolio. Again, I've, I've talked a lot about this, you know, these days you can either be in a, a more cash flow play and you maybe see an equity multiple of two times your money in five to six years with cash flow with you know cash flow is great but you know it's you know it's kind of slower right cash flow is cool especially when you have a day job 
to leave your day job. But, uh, you know, legacy wealth is created with, you know, more risks for exponentially more return, right? So that's, the, that's where you take nothing, a raw piece of land, and you put a building on it and you rent it up. Um, these development plays. And, you know, this is where I'm learning that these accredited families, this is where they live. This is, this is where they create that legacy wealth. They don't need the cash flow. They could care less. If they invest 50 or $100,000 and they got a couple grand every quarter, they don't care. <laughs> they don't care. In fact, it's kind of a burden for them. They're kind of wondering, like, what's this on my direct deposit statement? And, and I think the reason why they like development deals is because it's a shorter time horizon too. They get sort of instant feedback, good or bad, right? And then they can move the money into the next project very quickly. Um, but yeah, I mean, as investors, you have choices and you have to have to align with your investment philosophy. But me personally, I'll probably still do a majority of my stuff in cash flowing plays, workforce housing again, but trying to go after some home, nice home runs here and there. How did I get a little loving connection in my life? Well, last weekend we celebrated here in Hawaii. We, we uh, did a little get together with a few of us here in Hawaii and celebrated the closing of the last deal. Had some wine, had some food. It's nice to get around real people. Not that hang out with my wife every night wasn't getting boring, but it's nice to get some different players in the mix. Uh, people is all what makes the difference and relationships is the currency of the rich. I would argue of the, with the right people, right? Uh, some new podcasts and articles that I released this month. We talked with mythicmarkets.com who allows you to invest in geek stuff like Spider-Man comics, magic cards. I'm waiting for Thor's hammer to come out. No, actually, I mean, like, look, like a lot of people say that when I bring out something on the podcast and I'm immediately vouching for them. I am not doing that. Just because I bring someone on the podcast does not mean I think that they are safe to work with. Um, HP is different, right? HMP is a, is a sponsor of the podcast and they brought out number two right here, the pre-REO service. Um, I definitely believe in HP, um, you know, personally knowing the owner, George Newberry there. If you guys want to, if you haven't got a copy of his book, uh, let me know. I think you guys can get that at simplepassivecashflow.com slash AHP. And you can also learn about pre-REO there at simplepassivecashflow.com slash pre-REO. But yeah, pre-REO is kind of a cool thing. I've been kind of looking at there every month or so, see what's around my local area here in Hawaii that I can pick up pre-REO. Uh, REO properties, if you don't know, are properties that someone has run on tough times and are in foreclosure. The pre-REO are the properties that are owned on the bank that are typically in judicial states where it's harder to collect in general. So the bank is just like, screw it, we'll just sell it, pre-REO. So by going through this service, you're able to jump over a lot of mom and pa investors and you know they have a, like, a nice little deal there. Uh, so check it out, you know, it might not be for you. Um, you might be a passive, actually you might be a passive investor, but this might be appealing because you, you wouldn't buy something that you don't live near, that you can't check, that you don't have a competitive advantage at. So I would say it's a great way to find a primary residence. Political prop bets, uh, predictic.org, uh, did a little review on that. This is, so this is a cool website. It's kind of for fun. Um, you can bet on the election. And I think you can only bet up to a thousand bucks. So it's kind of play money, but I use this as a means to figure out who's actually winning in the polls because the people 
it's a very small sample size, but the people who are voting on, you know, who do they think is going to win is actually putting up money. So it's not like, you know, most office bets or opinions where, yeah, people have an opinion, but very few people put their money behind it. Uh, check out the website, not saying that it's safe or anything like that, but it's a cool place to see, um, you know, different election, how things are tracking in one place. Uh, number four here, investing in fine wine. So very much like the mythicmarkets.com um, company, these guys invest in real lots of wine. Actually, this one's more appealing to me. That's, I think, to me, that's kind of cool. Owning a winery or investing in fine wine seems more cool to me, I think. I mean, whatever floats your boat, right? Some people, it's like sports cards that has been kind of on the uptick this past year, especially with the land stands and everybody stuck at home. I also wrote a article on due diligence. I think you guys can get that at simplepassivecashflow.com um, due diligence, which is just a sample of what's in the passive investor accelerator. And uh, we're also putting together a LP guide syndication course. So we've collected all the notes over the past couple of years that I've taught people and putting it all into a nice e-course. So if you've checked out the new remote investor e-course that we launched last month, this is going to be in the very similar format. We also had a live coaching call with another credit investor or lawyer. So if you're a lawyer or you're another credit investor, uh, check that out. People like those. Uh, if you go to the YouTube channel, there's a section there with all the past uh, live webinars, uh, live coaching calls that you can uh, vicariously live through other investors in Hawaii. And uh, self-directed IRAs to invest your retirement funds. We kind of talked about, you know, when is it not good to use an IRA or a QRP? I'm not a big fan of retirement funds. I don't have any. I, uh, I work with clients then we kind of strategically withdraw our retirement accounts so that, but we keep one eye on our AGI level so we don't pay too much taxes because when you take out the money out of your retirement accounts, you uh, it comes up as a active income. So you got to be careful there. Some of the issues I've been running into is not enough reading time. I'd like to read more books. Some cool doodads I've been buying. I bought this like stream deck. It's a total geek item. But if you're at your computer for more than six hours a day, you might want to think about getting this. So what it is, you can... It's, it goes next to your keyboard and it's a hotkey pad. So you can program each of these buttons and each of these buttons is not just like, I thought it was like a little sticker you put on there, but it's like an LED screen in each of these buttons. You can program it based on what program you're in. And it's pretty amazing. It's pretty cool. Like, I mean, mine's a super basic. I just have cut, paste, copy, reply to email, archive email, delete email, close the window, trash this thing, go to this website, play my music, undo. But you know, time is money and uh, this is really cool. This, this got created by a bunch of like gamers. If you guys haven't heard of Twitch and the eSports revolution, this is a byproduct of that. Some lessons learned here. I, I'll be very careful not to offend anybody here. I don't mean to, but you know, with all this pandemic going on, do you wear masks or do you not? Do you open the country, right? It's very left versus right. And one thing, one truth I understand is if you're on the left, you can't see the right. If you're on the right, you can't see the left. It's just, it's, it's amazing as I travel throughout the country, as I go and travel in, in Huntsville and Cleveland, how different 
people are in places like California or the East Coast or Hawaii. It's, it's amazing. Um, you know, people think that America is one united country. We are a country of 50 individual states. And some states are very divided amongst themselves. And you know, I think we all see a little bit of like schools opening, what do you do, right? I think, I think this is a time where we all need to have a little bit more compassion towards everybody. I mean, nobody's gone through a pandemic. I mean, we're all trying our best and you know, there's no reason to get all emotional on each other. You know, it, it is what it is. Try and be safe. Yeah, don't take things per- too personal. Join our book club simplepassacashflow.com slash lane hack. We are reading What Would the Rockefellers Do? Which is kind of like an application on how to use infinite banking. Um, if you haven't heard of infinite banking, go to simplepassacashflow.com slash banking. But if anybody doesn't have any questions into the channel, uh, you guys can type it in. So someone asked here on the YouTube, how do you invest in these apartments? Well, it's just like buying a uh, single family home rental but add another couple of zeros onto it. But a lot of these apartments are very big, right? Inaccessible of most investors. So a popular method for purchasing apartments is a syndication model. So the analogy I like to use is an airplane. So in the airplane, you have a cockpit of general partners, deal operator sponsors, where these are the guys who find the apartment, they find the lending, they put the lending in their name, they operate the deal, they make distributions, they kind of do everything. And so passive investors are able to board the airplane, invest in the deal as a passive investor, an LP investor, and typically just invest a small sum of money of anywhere from $25,000 to $100,000 as a minimum investment and buy in as a fractional share of this airplane or apartment building. Of course, when that happens, securities laws are triggered. So it's important to have a good lawyer to create documents so that passive investors are protected and general partners are protected too. You know, as soon as you bring on a passive investor, you've triggered these securities laws because uh, why is the, S- the federal government involved in the SEC? Well, you're essentially taking an asset and you're breaking it up into fractional shares at that point. It's not like you, know, you have a property and then you, know, you partner with a buddy and you know, both of you guys have collateral. In, in this case, you're handing out fractional percentages ownership of an LLC that owns a building. So in the other case where it might be okay because you have title to the property, when you do a syndication, passive investors, they don't have title to the property. They own a fractional share of said business, again, an LLC uh, in a lot of cases. So it triggers securities laws. So passive investors are able to invest, you know, typically around $50,000 and invest in a few dozen, you know, first they start off with a few, but then they grow it to a few dozen properties and assets. And this is something that I learned a while back after I had 11 rental properties, you know, I realized the rental properties just aren't scalable. You're going to have a lot of evictions. You're going to have a lot of things that happen, even if you have property management to deal with all your issues. So that this is where I joined different mastermind groups, got around higher level and accredited investors. And I realized that this is how the wealthy invest as private equity investors. Um, so they're close, they're, they're aligned with the operator. They're not just um, you know, investing in retail investments. I think that's the main thing, you, getting away from all these like mutual funds and other options that have huge, huge hidden fees. 
involved and getting more closer and cutting out the middlemen. And that's what this is all about. But if there's no more questions, we'll see you guys next month. And um, you guys can access all these past monthly updates at simplepassivecashflow.com slash investor letter. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye. This website offers very general information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor situation is unique. Always seek the services of licensed third-party appraisers and inspectors to verify the value and condition of any property you intend to purchase. Use the services of professional title and escrow companies and licensed tax, investment, and or legal advisor before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk. The content found here is just my opinion and things change and I reserve the right to change my mind. Above all else, do your own analysis and think for yourself because in the end, you are the only person who is going to look out for your best interests.